Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Love Talk Radio. From Lives in the Balance, the nonprofit organization committed to advocating on behalf of behaviorally challenging kids and their caregivers, this is Dr. Ross Green. Welcome to Collaborative Problem Solving at Home. I'm delighted that you were able to join in. This program airs live each Tuesday at 12 noon Eastern Time during the school year. We explore a variety of topics aimed at helping you better understand and help your challenging child and implement the collaborative problem solving approach at home. If you have a question or comment, call 347-994-2981. If you call in, you'll be muted until I bring you on the air. And now, let's talk about your challenging child and what we can do to help you make things better. Hello there. Welcome to today's program. Um, How are things going with you and your challenging kid these days? You know, sometimes we get so caught up in... um, life that, uh, well, sometimes it's good to just take a step back and say, how are we doing? There's the day-to-day, but then there's the 50,000-foot view. How are you doing? Are things better? Um, Lots of different definitions of better. You know, if you are the parent of a child with social, emotional, and behavioral challenges, you're kind of never completely out of the woods, but better is better. Um, got a good handle on your child's lagging skills, got a good handle on unsolved problems, know what unsolved problems you're working on right now, Um, your child, you're doing plan B proactively on those unsolved problems that you're working on right now, your child participating in plan B, all signs of better getting some problems solved? Do you have some unsolved problems in your rearview mirror and now they're not unsolved anymore? They're solved. That's better. Still have some things to work on? Well, join the club. Um, When are you going to start working on them? Have they made your priority list yet? Are they on your plan B flowchart yet? If things aren't better, well, um, maybe one of those things I just mentioned is missing, and um, it's time to get the show on the road, or or maybe something else is missing. Maybe, um, well, maybe you're not being, maybe you don't yet understand what your child's lagging skills are. Maybe you're still viewing your child's difficulties through traditional lenses. Maybe you're still thinking that your child's challenging behavior is attention-seeking or manipulative or coercive or a sign of poor motivation or limit testing. 
maybe you don't yet recognize that your child is indeed lacking crucial cognitive skills and that it's lagging skills that differentiate challenging kids from the not-so-challenging variety. Maybe. Lenses are very important. Uh, Maybe you haven't yet made your list of unsolved problems so that you can decide which ones are high priorities and so that you know which ones you want to be working on right now and which ones you're just going to let go right now. That's plan C. Have you been doing plan B mostly emergently or mostly proactively? You don't want to be relegated to mostly emergency plan B. Doing plan B in the heat of the moment is not a very good way to solve problems durably. I'll take it over emergency plan A any day of the week, but you don't want to be doing emergency plan B if you could instead be doing proactive plan B. But to do proactive plan B, you got to have your list of unsolved problems, list of these specific conditions that are setting in motion challenging episodes and deciding which ones are your priorities, now you're ready to do proactive plan B. And, of course, lagging skills is why you're doing plan B. Plan A, imposition of adult will with adult-imposed consequences attached. That's not going to solve any problems durably, nor is it going to teach your child any of the skills he's lacking. It's just going to set in motion more challenging episodes If one of those things is missing, well, then you may not yet be at the point where you know how proactive Plan B is going to work with your child, whether he or she is going to participate, whether you're going to be able to get any useful information from your child about his concern or perspective on the unsolved problem you're talking with him about in the empathy step, whether he's going to be able to hear your concern or perspective and take it into account as you all move into the invitation step and try to work towards solutions that are realistic and mutually satisfactory. All that other stuff comes first. Then you find out whether there's some troubleshooting you need to do with plan B. But but you have to organize the effort first. Otherwise, you're going to find yourself relegated to doing plan B in the heat of the moment. And that's, heat of the moment is not the ideal timing for much of anything. So how are you doing, and uh, are things moving in the right direction for you? Um, If not, maybe one of those ingredients is missing. If so, good for you, but you know you still have more coming. It's just nice, some parents have told me, it's nice to have a program like this where you can take a step back every week, whether you're listening live or to the recorded version of the program. nice to be able to sort of just take a step back, think about how you're doing, think about what you want to be doing instead, refresh yourself on the language and the mentality of collaborative problem solving, and then, well, then get back to work. Got some interesting email this week, and um, given that we have no callers at the moment, um, I'm going to uh, start answering some email. But if you do want to call in, that number, as always, for this program is 347-994-2981. If uh, you're not the calling in type, of course, you can always send me a question electronically 
through the contact form on the Lives in the Balance website, as the emails, emailers I'm about to read email from did. Um, and that email address is www.livesinthebalance.org. Lives in the Balance, of course, is the sponsor of this program. It's the nonprofit that I uh, founded uh, to advocate on behalf of challenging kids and their parents and teachers and other caregivers and to provide free web-based information on the collaborative problem-solving approach. Let's turn to some email, shall we? You know, there's three that I've highlighted here because they are similar. So let me let me read these first. Here's these, I'm going to read three in a row before I answer. Uh, here's one. I'm in the process of reading The Explosive Child. It seems to be a great book with a great approach. Thank you. Actually, I got this email on February 2nd, so hopefully you are finished with it by now. My question is whether this approach could work for a four-year-old. I can definitely see the potential, and I'm planning on working it, so you'll have to call in or email and let us know how it went. But I'm not sure that my son is old enough to really work with me on Plan B, maybe in a year or two, but right now it seems over his head. I was wondering if you have come across this and have suggestions or modifications, or if there is something I can read that would possibly be more geared toward a four- or five-year-old. Thanks so much. Let me just answer the last part of that question first before I go to these other ones that are similar. Um, you know, the ingredients of Plan B are the same, whether it's a four- or five-year-old or a 17-year-old, or as I've said before, my 99-year-old grandma, who sometimes throws pencils at her roommate. Here's a similar email, then I'll answer all three in a row. Uh, we are having some problems with our three-year-old at home and in her in-home daycare. Can collaborative problem-solving be applied with a child this young? Uh, when reading around on the Lives and Balance website, it seems as though this method is for school-age children. Before I get too far invested in learning about CPS, I would like to know your thoughts on this. You're about to hear them. And here's email number three. Um, I've read a little bit about collaborative problem solving, but I'm wondering if the concept can be applied to my four-year-old son. He is diagnosed with sensory processing disorder and especially has problems with motor planning. He has also been diagnosed with fine and gross motor delays as well as receptive language delays. Explosive outbursts are common as well as aggressive behaviors, though we have noticed a reduction in the number of outbursts with three months of occupational therapy. Good. We are looking for additional help as these outbursts are very disruptive to our family and social life. I can only imagine. I really like the concepts presented by collaborative problem solving, but wonder how much information I can get from a four-year-old as to what things are getting in the way of his accomplishing tasks, such as, uh, here we go, getting ready for bed and brushing his teeth and hair, or what modifications can we make to the program to accommodate his age? All great questions, but now I'm sure you're appreciating the similarity. Um, yeah, I mean, but my reference point here, as I've been saying in my talks lately, my reference point is infants. Infants. Not that you're going to be doing full-blown collaborative problem-solving with an infant, but many of the ingredients of collaborative problem-solving still apply. Um, first of all, let's ask an important question. Do infants have legitimate concerns? The answer, yes, they do. Infants are too hot. Infants are too cold. Infants are hungry. Infants don't find what we put in them in terms of food to be agreeable. Infants have difficulty self-soothing. Infants don't appreciate changes, bright lights, loud noises. Do infants have legitimate concerns? They do. Now life gets a little bit more interesting. 
are infants proficient at expressing those concerns? Well, infants tend to be proficient at letting us know they have concerns, but infants, of course, because they don't have words, have to let us know that they have concerns in other ways, crying, turning red, you know, stuff like that. So, But yes, infants do let us know that they have concerns. They're just not all that great at letting us know what they are. In fact, they're not great at it at all. They are great at letting us know they have them, by and large. It's up to us, of course, to figure out what their concerns are. And this leads to question number three. This is the one that don't say no too quickly here. Can you collaborate with an infant? Now, not, I'm not talking about the collaboration that you'll see in the streaming video on the Lives in the Balance website, not that kind of collaboration, but collaboration. Can you collaborate with an infant? The answer, I told you not to say no too quickly to this one. Uh, the answer is yes, because as you are applying interventions, first of all, trying to figure out what is troubling an infant, what's making them uncomfortable, what's making them scared, what are they having difficulty handling. And as you are applying interventions that you hope will address the concerns of the infant, the infant is giving you feedback on how you're doing. Did you solve the problem? If not, the infant is still crying. Or they've cried themselves out, but you still haven't solved the problem. It's just that they exhausted themselves by crying, and now they're asleep. But that unsolved problem is going to come back because we still don't understand what it is yet. The same as, well, now let me, let me let's, let's fast forward three or four years. With infants as our reference point, do three- and four-year-olds have legitimate concerns well, if infants do, three- or four-year-olds do. And I want to let our caller, we do have a caller, and as we always say on this program, callers are our top priority on this program, so caller, I'll be with you momentarily. Let me just get through this question. Three or four-year-olds four, four do have legitimate concerns. Can three- or four-year-olds give us some information about what their concerns are? The answer to that is yes, but some three- or four-year-olds better than others. Um, but yeah. Is it extremely sophisticated what three- or four-year-olds give us? Some three- or four-year-olds, yes, it's pretty sophisticated. Um, other three- or four-year-olds, you, you get a little less. And some three- and four-year-olds, just like some 17-year-olds, less still. So, yes, three- or four-year-olds have legitimate concerns, and yes, there is variability in the degree to which the three- or four-year-old can let us know what's troubling them, but with our reference points as infants, then most linguistically intact three- or four-year-olds are going to at least give you something, something to go on. Finally, question number three, can you collaborate with a three- or four-year-old? Well, if you can collaborate with an infant, then you can collaborate with a three- or four-year-old. Can, can a linguistically intact three- or four-year-old engage in some give-and-take about potential solutions and some give and take about whether those solutions that are being entertained or proposed uh, address the concerns of both parties and whether both parties can do what they're agreeing to. My goodness, I I can't imagine why we wouldn't do this with a three or four-year-old. Now let me go back to our last email, the third of the three. Um, yes, I understand that we have sensory issues, and I understand that we have difficulties with motor planning, 
and I understand that we have receptive language delays. The receptive language delays could make doing plan B a little bit difficult, but that's not just true for a four-year-old. That's true for a whatever-year-old. But now let's turn to the unsolved problems that you give us information on. Um, uh, getting ready for bed. Now all I'm asking myself is whether getting ready for bed is related to the fine and gross motor delays that we've heard about or the receptive language delays that we've heard about. I suppose they could be. I suppose they actually may have nothing to do with those delays. And brushing teeth and hair. Now there are the sensory issues and the uh, gross motor delays could be um, coming into play. So apparently, well, number one, those are unsolved problems, and apparently uh, your four-year-old has some concerns uh, or a perspective on what's hard about getting ready for bed and what's hard or challenging about brushing teeth and hair. And now the big question is, um, number, as it relates to receptive language delays, can your four-year-old understand what you're asking when you ask about that? And... Um, and this would not be receptive language, this would be receptive language by and large, can your four-year-old give you some information about what they think is difficult? I'm betting yes. Um, And the modifications that you would make to the program would mostly be related to the language you're using and perhaps the tone of voice you're using to try to gather the information. Don't forget, um, the truth is, If you're doing proactive plan B, I'm optimistic that you'll get something. And then, of course, you are collaborating with your four-year-old. How much give and take your four-year-old can give you on um, potential solutions, you'll find out. Maybe you have already. How much your four-year-old can consider whether the solutions under consideration are realistic and mutually satisfactory, you'll find out. But can you collaborate with a four-year-old in the same way that you would collaborate with an infant about potential solutions and the degree to which those solutions are effective at solving the problems that are that you're working on well if you can do it with an infant you can collaborate with a four-year-old thank you for your questions those were all great now i'm going to take our caller who's from area code 914 that's the only identifying information i'm going to use um how are you today fine how are you dr green doing okay what's on your mind um, I have a child who is a rules follower. So Monday through Friday, he is doing his homework. He's going to school. He's brushing his teeth. He, he's doing what he should be doing. So I don't tend to encounter a lot of um, specific unsolved problems. Mind you, I, I'm, I'm not saying he's, a, um, he's easy. It's just Monday through Friday he tends to be easy. But what I do encounter a lot is him coming home from school. He's a freshman in high school and, um, you know, venting. And because he's such a rules follower, his greatest source of frustration is the rest of the world who does not follow the rules the same way he does. Mm. And he's highly intolerant. So we'll get into these long conversations, which are lovely, and I have a tendency to try and think I can open his mind by offering him the other side. So he sees one side with his black and white rigid thinking. And I'm well, trying to was, have you thought it was of clear, this. It was clear that you were probably describing a black and white rigid thinker, but go on. Okay. So anyway, I guess my question to you is, I do this 
all the time. Do you think this just frustrates him more, or does could my offering up an alternative view ever lead to him actually understanding an alternative view? Well, you know, we're going to find out, aren't we? But here's, I have a few questions for you. Ready? Go ahead. Well, my big question is, um, first of all, good for you for knowing what lagging skills are setting the stage for your son's interesting take on the world and, and, and his intolerance of other points of view, as you're putting it, yes? Yes. Good for you for knowing that that, I mean, it's a huge step in the right direction just by mere fact that you understand that there are skills lacking there. Okay. That's, that's massive because there are lots of other ways that you can interpret your son's take on life. Um, you and could, I mean, uh, I don't you know, even view it as a lagging skill anymore. I just view it as who he is. Well, and who he is, I mean, the, I got it. Well, and how old is he now? Fifteen. Got it. But you know, you're, you're mentioning the lagging skill that often sets the stage for intolerance of other points of view. People who are often intolerant of, and, and intolerant may not be the ideal word because it's a little bit judgmental, but um, people who have difficulty um, getting their heads around the fact that other people are not thinking the way they are and are insistent on things being the way they're configuring it instead of... Right, and, and that's you know, the, it's the insistence. Right. That's the issue. So, so here's the interesting thing. You're, you're describing, this is fascinating, and he sounds like a fascinating kid, as, as they all are. And it, here's the good news, uh, more good news. You're having great conversations with him. Yes. Yes? yes. And they're lengthy and they're... Yes. Um, and he's clearly tolerating the conversations because the conversations are lasting a long time and he's participating in them, Yes. He's tolerating the conversations. Um, and participating? Yes. Cool. So, all oh, that's fantastic. Now the big question. During these conversations, have you seen any indication? It sounds like you're playing the role of taking an alternative point of view. Yes. 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 How is he, are you seeing any progress? even a little bit, in terms of him, how he's responding to the fact that there is another point of view. How does he take to that? This is, this is the only thing I'll say. I never think he accepts my point of view, but he no longer gets angry when I present it. We really Progress. are just keeping it conversational. Progress. So now here, I mean, the fact that he is, there are lots of kids who don't, um, have an easy time accepting that there's another point of view. They simply insist that there's only one point of view, theirs. Of course, there are adults the same way, but um, perhaps the adults who are the same way didn't have the opportunity to engage in these types of conversations with their parents. But um, now, you used an interesting word, accept. What are we looking for him to accept? Are we looking for him to accept that there is another point of view, or are we looking for him to accept the other point of view? Um, I guess what I was hoping for was occasionally I would hear, okay, I could understand where you're coming from. I might not agree with it, but I could see why you say that. What are you getting instead? Continual arguing from, from his perspective. All right. So, um, but not anger. No, not but, anger. 
but just him pressing yes. on his point of view. Yes. Yes? Yes. So now here's the question, and you're interested in moving him beyond, because there are people whose basic take on things is that if I insist long enough, this other person will accept my point my point of view. Right. The, the goal, of course, is not for him for you to accept his point of view or him to accept yours, but rather for you to accept that each other has disparate points of view. Yes? Correct. Correct. I wonder if we're it sounds like we are hoping that that will happen without us prompting for it. But I have a feeling just given human nature that maybe you have prompted for it. Have you, what have you done to, uh, aside from him pressing hard on his point, have you done anything just to see if he's able to acknowledge that you are presenting a different point of view um, or even able to um, repeat back to you what your point of view is? I don't know if I've done that. Well, and all my question is, is what would be the next increment? Here, here's the good news. I mean, you've believe it or not, it may not feel this way, you've, you've had many increments already. Number one, you've engaged him in discussion. That's, and number two, he's participating. Those are increments, right? Okay. Number three, he's now no longer getting angry at the fact that there's an alternative point of view. That's an increment. So it, incremental change is actually occurring, though um, maybe not as noticeable to you as the person who's in it than it is to me as, as the person who's outside it. The, the big question is, what is the next increment? What, okay. what are we trying to achieve next? Do we want him to, because the words that you used, he might be capable of using those words. The fact that he's pressing the issue doesn't necessarily mean that he doesn't recognize that there's another point of view. It just mean, may mean that he doesn't have the words that you used are pretty, um, believe it or not, sophisticated, politically correct words. So he may be lacking in the politically correct, sophisticated words department, but he may actually well be recognizing that you have a point of view. I, I'm just curious if he's pressing forward because he doesn't realize you have another point of view. I'm betting he does. I'm that betting he's he hoping, does. Too. He does. Yeah, yeah. That, that sounds like he does. Um, but the question is, does he need the words? Are you looking for him to acknowledge it? Because we're not looking for him to accept it any more than you're going to accept his. What we're accepting is that we each have a different point of view. Is And I guess my question is, is that the next increment? And how would we um, see if he was capable of that increment? And quite frankly, words aside... He may be making that increment already, just not letting us know it in words. Okay, okay, I understand that. I guess I guess what I was hoping, since he is so black and white, that I could just, like, shift him, you know, one degree over a little, just to make some statement that acknowledges my opinion is different. I tend to think I make statements, you know, I will say, I understand where you're coming from, I see your point of view, however, I think this. So I'm wondering if... A slight modification of that is, I understand where you're coming from. I'm kind of curious. Do you understand where I'm coming from? Okay, that's great. That's great. And you might simply be looking for a simple yes there, and then, truth is, next increment achieved. 
And truth is, the next increment may already have been achieved. It just may be that you weren't hearing it. I mean, you would have had to have noticed it. Maybe it's not so noticeable in someone who uh, is not even acknowledging that you have another point of view. But interestingly enough, this might not be such a tough increment. Okay. The 1% change in his point of view could be an interesting increment, but having him acknowledge that you have different points of view and having him be able to articulate what your point of view might be, um, I don't know him. Uh, Sounds like that's the next leap. What do you think? Okay. And I very much appreciate that. Is this exercise helpful like your... um, problem-solving exercise is helpful? I think that this is an exercise. What I call it collaborative problem-solving, I think it becomes collaborative problem-solving at the point where, and this would be a few increments away, okay. at the point where you are trying to reconcile the two points of view and move forward with a solution that takes into account both points of view. And I would say that that is a increment that's a little bit further down the road. I'd, I'd want acknowledgement first that he understands that you have a different point of view. And truth is, I would I would say that this that that increment could be a little bit difficult. So it sounds like you're doing an exercise that closely resembles the first two ingredients of Plan B: empathy, where you're gathering information about the concern or perspective of one party. Define the problem where you're gathering information about the concern or perspective of the other. The third ingredient, which is where you're brainstorming solutions, it sounds like you haven't got to yet because you've got a few increments that you feel like you want to have come before that. Um, but yeah, this sounds like it fits nicely into collaborative problem solving. Okay, thank you. Do me a favor. Great. Call us. This you've, now you have me intrigued. So call us back if you feel like it and let us know how it goes. Okay. Thank you. Thanks for calling. Um, We're going to take another caller. We have two others standing by. Once again, callers are our top priority on this program. So I'm going to bring on our caller from area code 905. Uh, What's up today? Oh, hi, Dr. Green. How are you? Um, How are you? Great. I I actually called in last week. It was my first time calling in, and um, I've subsequently got the book. Now it's my second time calling in, yeah. Um, I have been reading the uh, explosive parent, the explosive child. Um, our son is six. and um, Hopefully that wasn't a Freudian slip, but go on. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. No. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, we've been trying to implement Plan B in a proactive setting um, and have been focusing a lot on the empathy stage. Um, I guess my question is just, whether he has the capacity at this age to move, you know, through through empathy to problem solving, and because um, you know we're at the empathy stage, talking lots of questions, um, not trying to push the you know push push the problem solving yet, but I just don't know if it's beyond him cognitively or not, if that's something that he's capable of. So Let, let's um, let's hear what you're hearing. Tell us an unsolved problem if you can. Tell us an unsolved yeah. problem that you've been raising with him. And what I'm going to be listening carefully for, believe yeah. it or not, he, he's how old again? You said five? Six, yeah, just turned six, six yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, um, uh, what I'm going to be so, listening unfortunately, for... Unfortunately, his, his little brother, who's three, um, seems yes. to be the brunt of a lot of his frustration. Okay. Um, 
And, uh, you know, in some cases, you know, yes, he gets close to him and, uh, you know, plays with his things and gets close to his physical space. Mm-hmm. Uh, but lots of times it's, it's, it's unwarranted. You know, I mean, he, he, he's within five feet of him and he, you know, uh, our, our son uh, gets mad at him, gets frustrated and physically takes it out on him, pushing. So there's shoving. really nothing going on except that they're in close proximity to each other. Close proximity, you know, and close proximity being, like I say, not, 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 six inches away, you know, feet away. Um, So, you know, James, sorry, I'm not supposed to use names. Don't use names. We're good. There's many Jameses in this world. Okay, sorry. Many six-year-old Jameses. Even even many six-year-old Jameses in area code 905, so we're we're good. That's right. So I try not to even even put words in his mouth. So, James, how are you feeling about, you know, what, what, what happened? How are you feeling uh, you know, I got the sense that, uh, you know, you were frustrated with your brother. Why were you frustrated with your brother? What, you know, what was it? Um, you know, what was he doing? You know, what was bothering you? You know, trying trying to get him to articulate some of those things. Um, so, so here's so what I what I was gonna say I was listening for is yeah, I'm gonna I'm listening for um whether our initial observation our neutral yeah. observation which is our which is our entry point into gathering information yeah whether it was clear enough specific enough neutral enough mm-hmm. to let him to let a child 6 4 or 17 or 99 know what we're asking about mhm so my my first question um, is is your neutral observation, which is the beginning of the empathy step, do you think your son um, knew what you were asking about? Did he did he connect it? Yeah, well, I started fairly broad. I think I even started with, you know, is something bothering you or how are you feeling? Like I think I even started with how are you feeling, you know, later on. You know, how are you feeling? Was something bothering you? Is something the matter? Is there something and this you want is to talk all proactive. about? This is proactive, but after a specific event, yes? Yes. It, our, our, our events are, are daily, so <laughs> they kind of run in between, you know? So it's, it's, it's afterwards. It's not in the moment, but it's usually That's preceding right. the next event. So it's, yeah. All I'm saying, though, is that kids, people, mm-hmm. um, I find, I'm not, I don't think starting global or broad is catastrophic. Mm-hmm. It's it, it's it is harder because when we say was something bothering you, mm-hmm. uh, we are asking the child to figure out what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Was somebody bothering me that the Boston Celtics lost last night? Was something bothering me that I didn't like what you made for dinner? Um, so we're we're placing a demand on the child for figuring out what it was what it is that we're asking about and for that reason i'd rather not place that demand on the child because it 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 puts us behind the eight ball a little bit right from the get-go so i usually prefer to start very specific and it sounds like there is a specific i know that that they all run together but you might be better served with him if you're starting with a specific challenging episode Mm -hmm. that he's able to connect with and then give you information about that. Often, not always, but usually, if we start globally, I find we get less than if we start 
very specifically. Okay. So now let me ask, I, I keep interrupting you here, but let me ask, is there a specific event, a specific challenging episode, a specific thing that went south between him and his brother that you are that that has occurred in the last 24 hours that you especially want to ask him about? Yes. That, that, and, and by the way, it sounds like your premium is on because we've got to be specific about what it is that we're asking about. It sounds like you are particularly interested, based on what you said earlier, in gathering information about why he gets upset just when his brother is near him. Nothing. He, yeah, he has lots. Yes? <laughs> it happens in both home setting and at school. So. And his brother's uh, with him at school. N- no, no, different classroom. So, so you people, know, his brother. Yeah. He, it happens. Getting near him at school, he gets upset about. That's one of one of the situations when Got he it. explodes. Yeah, yeah. So it, people it can be, being too close to him is an unsolved problem. Seems to be one of the unsolved problems. Got uh, it. So now he, here's what. I, so now here's all I would do. Okay. We've not, we've, we now have a highly specific unsolved problem. Yeah. It might be helpful to pick a specific instance of it happening mm-hmm. in relatively recent memory and ask him about that. Okay. And here's how that would sound. I noticed the other day when your brother came over, I'm just making this up, came over to me to ask me a question and you were nearby. You got very upset about that. Mm -hmm. What's up? What was was going on then? Mm -hmm. Now that's taking the ingredients that I've just described. First of all, a highly specific unsolved problem that we want information about and then a highly specific instance in which it happened. And I'm asking him what's up. By the way, I tend to stay away from what are you fe- what were you feeling because mm-hmm. in you know, kids in general but pe- kids in particular but people in general, I'm likely to get some variant of happy, mad or sad. <laughs> but I'm not going to get information about what was troubling him about his brother coming over and asking a question when he was standing nearby. Now you right. might be thinking, and I'm going, I'm being a little long-winded here, but uh, so hear me out. Um, you might be thinking, yeah, but that instance isn't necessarily why he gets upset when other people come nearby. Uh, he's getting he's getting upset under under other circumstances where other people come nearby. I yeah. know, but we want him talking. And okay. if we go too global on him, he yeah. may not talk. But if okay. we get specific, we, we may or may not get information that's that's relevant to other times when other kids are coming nearby. I'm willing mm-hmm. to take my chances just for the sake of getting your son talking. But I'm not. And is that is that is that sort of the prioritizing too? Like you know, taking it, sort of chipping away at it one by one, as opposed to trying correct. to tackle everything. Yeah. Okay. That's correct. Because okay. if you try to tackle people getting too close to you globally. You may right. get nothing. If you tackle a specific instance of someone getting too close to him that he can sink his teeth into and connect with in terms of his memory and actually then think about it, I think I, most of the time it's easier for a child to think about something specific okay. than it is something global. There are exceptions, but generally I'm going specific more than I am global. Mm-hmm. So here's, here's what we've tackled. You're doing this proactively. That's the first that's the first step totally, right? So good for you that you're doing it proactively. Mm-hmm. Now what I'm doing is t- trying to tune up 
your entry into the empathy step because you began our call today by wondering, mm-hmm. can a six-year-old do this? Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. the run-of-the-mill six-year-old can do this, okay. but we just want to make sure that we're doing it in a way that sets the stage for the run-of-the-mill six-year-old, the run-of-the-mill 16-year-old, to actually connect with what we're asking about so that they can give us the information we're looking for. He can do He's capable of it if I approach it correctly. So, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's, that was my big, big question, so that's well, good. Well, then here's, here's what I'd love you to do. I would like you to be a third-time caller next week <laughs> and tell us what happens. You're, you're being yeah. proactive, so that's, that's, that's step number one. So good for you. A lot of people sometimes aren't even there yet. They're doing Plan B almost exclusively emergently. I started the program by talking about that. If you're doing Plan B almost exclusively emergently, then you could well be thinking that six-year-olds can't do this because very few people really do particularly well when Plan B is being applied emergently. It's just too hot and it's too rushed. You're not doing that. Now the next place that I move to, given that you're doing proactive Plan B, is, um, uh, well, now let's tune up the empathy step because I'm hearing that it's a little not specific. Mm -hmm. Um, I wonder if being more specific will help. And if okay. you want to be a third-time caller next week, you'll call and let us know what happened. You bet. Thank you very much. And here's the interesting thing. Um, this is like triage, plan B triage. Mm-hmm. There's lots of times when people say to me, uh, um, I can't get the kid talking in plan B or plan B didn't work. But now what you're hearing me doing is plan B triage. My first tack on triage is, were they really doing plan B? Or was this really plan A? Right. That, that's the first point. But, you know, when a patient arrives at the emergency room, they're doing triage and they're trying to figure out what to work on first. What to work on first is, was this plan B or was this really plan A? Next part of the triage, was this proactive plan B or emergency plan B? Next part of the triage, given that those things are in place, what did the empathy step sound like? And is there some tuning up to be done there? Next week you'll call us and let us know what happened, and we'll find out if we need to triage further. Thank you. Thank you for calling. Good luck this week. I can't wait to hear. These stories always make me curious. Now here I'm gonna I'm gonna bring on our caller from area code four one five with some trepidation. But caller from area code four one five, I'm gonna potentially say to you, in fact I'm almost betting that I'm gonna say to you, that um we may have to finish answering your question next week. But area code four one five, you're on the air. How are you today? Do we have someone from area code 415 waiting to ask a question? Maybe not. So now I don't have to say that we're going to answer your question next week. Um, Let me see if any of our other... uh, i got two minutes left here. Any of my other questions uh, lend themselves to very quick answers. Uh, You know, I'm not seeing anything that's going to be quick enough. I apologize for sort of sorting through these here. Uh, Nope, none of these are going to be quick enough. And just in searching, I have um, taken so much time that we probably don't have enough time left. I'm really appreciative to our callers today. Um, This program, um, always a lot of fun when we have callers, but also fun when we have emailers, such such great questions that we're getting from people. I'm hoping that those of you who are listening to the program live or in its recorded version are finding it to be useful by the sheer number of people who are listening that grows by the week. Um, We are in the thousands. 
um, this is um, I, I'm hoping it's useful for people, and um, I think I'm going to uh, call it a day here. Um, thanks for listening in. We'll be back again next week with your questions and your call and uh, all of that stuff. So thank you again uh, for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. You know you Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.